Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Praise God. Turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. I'm going to read from the NIV version. So if you've got a different version, you can read from the screen just up here. And we welcome those listening on the internet as well, live. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Verse 1. It says this, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the net, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Hallelujah. This is one of my favorite stories, and the reason is it's one of the first messages I ever preached in this church was this uh, text. And it's a favorite story of mine because I kind of relate to it really well in the fact that I don't know about you sometimes. I can have a bad season in life, and, but yet I can also see God turn things around as well. God is in the business of turning days around, months around, weeks around, years around, And turning things back for your glory, for your goodness. Because we keep singing it here that His mercy and goodness follow us all the days of our life. But there are sometimes things in our life we've got to do in order for that to happen. But one thing I've learned is that in my life, we we were in a prayer meeting just recently. And one of the things we were doing is praying and thanking God. It was a strange night because we were thanking God for the challenges and the pain and the trials that we'd gone through. Um, In my own life, I've had trials, some of you know, uh, in the last year or so, and I'm sure this room is full. In fact, not every person here has had a trial and a challenge, and you could put your hand up today and say, I've gone through a difficult 
season. It's interesting, every time you get to the end of a year, you always reflect on what you've achieved and what you've done. Uh, I, I used to work in, in a company where every year, at the, at the beginning of the year, so January, I used to dread going back into work in January because January they do their annual review of the previous year. And I had to, we had a date set in. The date was always put in my diary before Christmas. So I, all the way through Christmas, I was thinking, oh, I've got to do the annual review and sit with my, my boss and go through. And every annual review was a list of around four to five objectives that I should have fulfilled in that year. And so what I used to do and what all my team members would do is we, we'd be kind of rattling through at the last few weeks of the year trying to see if we could finish some of the objectives that we were supposed to set out. How many of you know that sometimes you don't fulfill what you plan to do at the beginning of 2019? In fact, actually, some of the things that you plan to do, you never got done. Some of the things that you plan to do, you didn't even achieve them that well. In fact, some of you right now have been believing God all the way through 2019 for breakthrough in health conditions, and you've not seen the breakthrough. And you get to the end of the year, and you're almost like, God, it feels like a bit of a failure. For me to get to the end of this when I plan to do so much. But can I say that it's not based on your plans. It's what God wants to do in your life. And if we should treat the trials as joy, then we've got to understand that some of the things you've just gone through in this previous year, if not 2018, 2017, the challenges you faced are building you ready for what God has got in store for you. I've been chatting to people already this morning and discussing how trials, challenges, we've got to thank God for them because they're building us ready for what God is going to do next. Now you can either have a different perception on that. You can say, God, why did you put me through that? Why did you allow me to go through that? One of the things I see here is, I'm going to call him Peter because some people get confused. It's Simon Peter and then it's Simon. Just so we know, it's Peter for me today. So I'm going to, if I refer to him as Peter, if you heard Simon earlier, it's the same person if you've not read this story before. But Peter is right at a moment, what I believe is a disappointing moment. We've just read, he's, he's been out all night and they've caught absolutely nothing. So you can imagine uh, that he's there and, and you've got this scene where, where Peter is is there washing his nets with disappointment of no catch, no fulfilled objectives. The breakthrough didn't happen. With all his expertise, with all of his knowledge, he just didn't see what he wanted to see. And there he is, and all of a sudden, in comes Jesus. Now you've got to understand what Jesus is about to do here. He's looking, he's looking, he's what we call today headhunting. He's now looking for his disciples. He's looking to choose the people who he's going to use for the future. And, and so I don't know about you, if, if you've ever been to an interview for a job, and I've been to them in the past, and you get ready and you put on all your smartest gear and, and you walk in and you try to, you want your portfolio, everything you've done, your CV to be perfect. You want to create a good impression. But I'd say that this is probably one of the worst days that Peter could have had an interview with Jesus. I mean, I wouldn't want to be Peter right now when Jesus is coming to choose who he's going to use and select the 12. Come on, there's a lot of good people out there, but he arrives and, and he sees Peter downcast, washing his nets, cleaning his nets. But there's one other thing that 
I see that Peter will have struggled with. And that is not just the fact that he was disappointed with himself. But when Jesus arrives, there is an embarrassment that he's got an empty boat. Some of you right now are embarrassed by the season that you've just gone through. You're embarrassed about what your life might look like to others. You're embarrassed at the fact that you right now at the end of this year have not achieved much, but not only that, you're embarrassed by the emptiness of what you've done for the Lord. Can I just say that God works behind the scenes, and sometimes when you think you ain't achieved much, you've achieved great things for the Lord. Come on, do you believe that today? Some of you right now have done things, you've evangelized, you spoke to people, but you didn't realize what has been happening behind the scenes. And you see, when when Peter's there and he's downcast, I don't know what, what I'd feel like, but what I'd be looking at is, I cannot believe that Jesus is looking at my boat and there's not even one fish. You know, it's not even like... Come and check this out, Jesus. I, I, this was a big one. I got no. There's not one fish. How many of you know that when Jesus comes into your life and He's ready to do something new and fresh, He's always looking for you to be totally stripped back of everything that you think you know you need, because He doesn't want you to rely on your fruit. He wants your life. Hallelujah. I believe as we enter into 2020, we move into this new year and we come and we look back at an old year. Some of you right now, I'll tell you, every one of us can look at the disappointing things. People always focus on the negative, don't they? You know it's that. They don't praise you much for the positives. They'll tell you what you did wrong. What you missed. And some of us right now, that's that's where the devil wants you right now. He wants you to look and say, 2020 is not going to be great because 2019 was not a success. You've got to stop looking at the negatives and start looking at the positives. You've got to start saying, God, I believe you're doing something in my life. I'm ready for what you're going to do. And whether the boat's empty or full, that is irrelevant. Hallelujah. He'd worked hard all night. It was Peter's chance to shine. This was his portfolio. I had a portfolio and I used to take it everywhere. It was a massive thing. These days it's all digital. But when I went around for jobs and I was looking for graphic design jobs, I had a huge portfolio and I'd walk in and I'd open this portfolio and I'd prove what I've done. I was proving the previous years. They'd say, tell us about it. Some of my friends in the industry would tell me many times they would put things into their portfolios that they'd never even done. It was tempting. They'd say, oh, we we put that in. The problem is, you can put anything in the portfolio, but you've got to talk about it. You've got to tell them. And if they ask questions. And so I used to go in and I'd always put in what I'd done. And there's always a story behind it. But, you know, your portfolio was what told the people that you could do what, what they wanted you to do. And if you know when you enter into a job, there's always something more they demand of you than where you are now. And so you're always trying to prove, prove, prove yourself. Listen, can I just say today, for next year, you don't need to prove anything to God. You don't need to prove that you can do something. You just need to surrender to Him. You just got to say, God, I'm not going to rely on my portfolio. I'm going to rely on your person. I'm going to rely on who you are. Because I don't want to rely on what I've done. It's not about what I've done. Do you know what I love next is that Jesus, he steps 
into the boat belonging to Peter, Simon. He steps into his boat. He chooses the one that is, we know is empty, that's got nothing. Can I just say that Jesus, when he arrives and he sees Peter downcast, he sees that there's an empty boat and, and Peter's probably thinking, I hope he walks on through here and just ignores me. But what he does next is he steps into his failed boat. He steps right into his emptiness. He steps right into what looks like it's been stolen from him. What looks like he has achieved nothing, he steps right in the center. Hallelujah. And then he says, put it out from the shore. Do you know when I read this, I thought, do you know what? If I'd have been Jesus, this is what I'd have done. I'd have arrived because, remember, he was teaching the people. They were listening to him. This is what was happening. The people, the crowds were gathering around. And the reason why he uses the boat is he wants to get out a little from the shore. Maybe there was too many people. But if I was Jesus, I'd have walked on water. Who needs a boat if you're Jesus? Why do you need to ask Peter questions and make it complicated when all you got to do is just say, while you're teaching, can I just show you a miracle? Can I just watch this? I'm going to step back and this is going to help my sermon. I'm going to stand on the water because by the way, Peter's going to do this one day and I'm going to, I'm going to stand on the water here. I don't need anyone's book because I'm Jesus. I'll tell you why he didn't do it. Because Jesus loves to involve people. It's not all about the show. It's not all about the miracles. Here was Jesus' greatest sermon illustration right now. I'm going to use your boat to prove what is going to happen in your life. I don't need to walk on. If I walk on water, you probably feel even worse. Have you noticed that sometimes when you feel at your lowest and you've, you've had a terrible year, the last thing you want to do is, is Holy Joe walks in and tells you how great his year's been. That he's on fire for Jesus. Oh, I've been walking on water. And you're like, don't you realize I didn't even fulfill one objective? I said I was going to do this for the Lord. I said I was going to evangelize. I said I was going to start to talk more about Jesus to the people at work. I said I was going to do, go on that course and I've not achieved anything. And then Holy Joe walks in. He's on fire. She's on fire. Oh, Jesus doesn't want to capture you with miracles sometimes. He wants to capture your attention with what he's going to do with your life. He will use an illustration to show you that. So don't look for signs all the time. Do you know what? You are the greatest sign. Because when you surrender your life to Jesus, you're a trophy of grace. You're the greatest sign ever. Everyone always says to me, I want to see a sign. Prove to me God exists. We don't need to prove anything. We just, just tell you the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That you can be transformed, turned around. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm coming to realize that more and more often. The greatest gift, the greatest miracle that Jesus can do is the transformation of a life that is broken, disappointed. You feel like there's nothing left. Come on, if you're in this room today and you're saying, my life's not been good, there are things not been going well, I've got an empty boat, there's nothing to show for my life. I've got news for you today. Jesus loves you. He wants to work in your boat. He wants to stand right in the center of the failure. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. He could have stood on the water, but he stood in his failure. He could have stood right there on the water and said, look at me. But no, he stood in his failure. Jesus isn't looking for full vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. He's not looking for a a boat that's full of fish saying, look at my achievements at what I've done. Now I'm ready to work for you, Jesus. Come on, some of you right now, what you're trying to do is is fill the boat to prove to Jesus you can do it. (laughs) You're trying to say, come back another day when I'm ready, when you can count my fish. Come back when, when I look like I'm ready. Look, to, look, you're never going to be ready. When I walked into the ministry, I felt like I got three empty boats. I didn't feel ready. I had to trust the Lord and say, God, I feel like I ain't got anything. But he said, all I need is you, son. I just need a yielded heart to me. A yielded vessel for me. So i got news for you today. It's such good news. If you feel so downhearted today because you have got an empty vessel, just be a yielded vessel. That's the way to be. Just say, God, I want you to come and stand in my boat. I put here, Jesus doesn't need your resources. He needs your resignation. He doesn't need your resources. Oh, look at this boat. Jesus, come and have a look. I mean, if he had a name on the side, have you ever seen they have names on the side of the boats? You know, the pride of whatever. Probably said the pride of Peter. If he'd have been at that point, I'd have been, if I'd have been Peter, I'd have been standing next to the boat covering it up. I don't want him to know this is my boat. I don't want him to know. But you know what? The end of this in, in Luke chapter 5 verse 11 Do you know what it says? It says that they, when all of this story ends, we're going to look at it in just a moment. When it ends, it says that they leave their boats and all the fish and everything and they follow him. They leave him. They leave everything and they follow him because he doesn't need your resources. He needs your resignation to him. Come on, some of you right now, I remember when I quit my job and I had to write write my resignation letter. Some of you have got to write your resignation letter in your heart to the things you've been so tied by. You've got to say today, do you know what? 2020 is not going to be a year where I just make new proposals and plans and resolutions, but actually I'm going to start managing old restrictions. Some of us are so good. I'm good at I've got I've got a list of things I want to do. I've got them. I've got things in my mind I want to achieve. But I'm starting to realize that it's just as important to have them the list of things that I need to manage the restrictions. Because if I manage the restrictions and I apply myself to resignation, then I'm ready for what Jesus has got. Come on, some of you have got to resign in your heart and say, do you know what? It's time for me to stop making the plans and let Jesus make the plans. Oh no, but I I can't do that. I need to take control. No, you don't need to take control. When Jesus saves you, he's not just your savior, he's the Lord of your life. You've got to let him into the driving seat. You've got to say, Jesus, thank you for washing me in your blood. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I'm set free. But Lord, also be the Lord of my life. Come on. 
Is he the Lord of your life today? Is he taking full control? Some of you are thinking, I don't want to give him control. It's the best thing you can ever do. He's the Lord of all creation. Give him the driving seat. We're too busy though making new plans that God can't make his. Isaiah 43 verse 18 to 19 says, forget the former things God says. Do not dwell on the past. See, he doesn't say see, you're trying to do a new thing. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Come on, 2020. Jesus is doing a new thing. He's doing something new in your life. Let him do it. Oh, but you don't understand. I need to take a... No, you don't. You need to surrender. I didn't even say the title of my message today. Making space for God. We got to make space for God. We got to make space for what he wants to do. How do we do that? How do we surrender ourselves so that he has the space to work in our lives in 2020, allowing him to do everything he wants to do rather than what we want to do? Then we have to be like Peter. And even in the place of disappointment, it's possible because in this day, he, after his worst night, transformation comes. And it's because of several things that I want to show you today of what Peter did. How did Peter turn one bad night into a great future? Number one, Peter made space for God's profitable word. His profitable word. When, when, when Jesus steps in the boat, verse 3, it says, He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus not only steps into failure, but he steps into position for the word to be released. Peter releases his boat, his vessel, in order for the word to be preached, for the word to come. Now, I'm just saying this because some of you right now are in such disappointing seasons that actually sometimes you quit reading your Bible. You stopped reading the word. So you, you, what happens is you try to take control of your life, so you put your Bible down. And you don't allow the Word of God to direct you anymore. But this is, it's interesting, because Peter in his most disappointing night makes space for the Word. He makes space for what is important. He makes space for the sermon to be preached. Some of you have got to start making room for God to speak again into your life through the Word. Some of you maybe have not been attending church all that often. It's like, you know, well, we're in a new season of being busy and I'm too busy for church. You've got to get here, not just because I'm telling you to get here to tick a box. Jesus doesn't save you by how many times you come to church. You should want to come to church to learn from Him. To receive the word. So you're going to make room for that. You're going to make space in your life for his profitable word. Peter releases his boat to receive the word. He, re- he releases. What, what do you need to release and get out of your life? What's, what is getting in the way that is stopping you getting the word? Come on. Have you got failed boats around you? You're just saying, God, I'll, I'll read the Bible when I start seeing some fish. Until then, do a miracle, Lord. 
I only want a sign until I trust your word, the Bible. I ain't going to trust this Bible until I see signs. You don't need a sign. You need to get into the word. You need to get into the word. And in the center of his work disappointment, Peter, listen, in the center of this work disappointment, he centers on the words of Jesus. I can imagine him just sat there washing the nets. And as he's washing the nets, one ear is listening to the sermon being preached. And listen to me. Some of you are thinking right now, well, what's it going to do for me? It ain't going to change my Monday morning when I get to work. Yes, it will. Because if you start making the time in 2020 on a morning and saying, God, I'm going to put that time in to listen and to read your word and I'm going to increase what I'm doing. I'm going to increase because I value your word. If you value something, you'll spend a lot of time in it. And so you start to value it and you start to begin your day. Listen, if you're already doing it and you're saying, well, I don't need to hear this part of the sermon. Yes, you do. Because some of you need to increase what you're doing. You need to go from milk to meat now. Come on, stop hanging around the milk. You need to get to the meat for 2020. It's not going to happen with 2020 supernatural vision from God. It's going to happen when you get into the word. Come on. Hallelujah. If you fix all your attention on failed nets, you have no space to believe God for full nets. He's cleaning the nets. He's got nothing, but yet he has to believe for God to fill them. I have no idea what Jesus preached that day. But I think it sounds like a pretty good sermon. You're like, well, what do you mean? I'll tell you why. Because when, G- when he releases his boat to receive the word, and he's washing his nets, disappointed with absolutely nothing, embarrassed, that word that Jesus preached far better than what I'm preaching today, has the power to get him from the shore back to the water. What he preached got Simon to go fishing again, just after he cleaned his nets. I mean, if I was him, I'd be like, I ain't going back out, I've just cleaned the nets. I'm not doing anything. But right there in disappointment, the power of Jesus' words that comes into his ears, into his heart, changes something inside. And it's not just a good idea, but now it's a God idea. Now this is something that's stirring on the inside of him. And some of you are saying, oh, I don't believe that's true. Listen, the Bible says this. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I love this. So that the servant of God, that's somebody who's given their life to Jesus, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wow. You're saying today the Bible's just not powerful. Let me tell you, you're wrong. The Bible is powerful and it's a, and I'm a, I'm a testimony to that. The, the Lord has changed my life. I couldn't have got from 2002 when I surrendered my life to Jesus to today without His Word. I need His Word. I don't need a, I don't need a group of people, a club to get me going. I need His Word. I need his word in my life. Some of you have got to stop tweeting the word and start allowing it to get in you. 
it's so easy. I tweet, tweet a bit of scripture. But can the scripture get in? Or is it in and out before it's got in? Some of us, we love it. Don't, we're in a world today where people send bites out. They're sending things out so quickly. And the thing is, people like to send scripture out because it's so good and powerful. But is it doing something in you first before it gets out to the social networks? You know, I'm, I'm, I do this sometimes. I'll send things out, but sometimes I think, actually, I need to let that soak in before I let it go out. Maybe I need to allow that to change my life before I tell someone they need to change their life. Come on, the word has power. All, listen, all scripture is God breathed. (laughs) Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. If you look at your Bible and you're saying, well, mine ain't moving, the batteries run out. I'm telling you, listen, it is full of power. It's full of life. Listen, I'm, this, you need to hear this because 2020, you're sat at home with every version of the Bible sat on your shelf. It's a powerhouse. The best thing the devil wants is for you to have every version but not read one. And so we got to say, God, do you know what? I'm going to look at my, I'm going to get home today. I'm going to start to make a decision. I'm going to start to put the Word of God foundation. I'm going to let you get in my boat, even though it's empty and I feel like I'm a failure. You can get right in the center, but I'm going to, I'm going to believe that as I receive your Word, it's going to change my life. Hallelujah. The Word of God equips you for the work of God. The Word of God will equip you for the work of God. It equips the people, the servants of God, as you make space for God's word this year, get ready for God to make you this year. You make space for his word in your life, get ready for him to make you. He'll make something of you. And that's what was happening. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Peter's there with the the nets. He's looking, thinking, I'm embarrassed you stood in a boat. The fact that you can stand in it's one thing. The fact that you're highlighting my issues even more because now you're highlighting there's there's no fish. Do you know, because that, that's what God wants to do. He sometimes wants you to become so humble that it highlights the fact that we have nothing other than him. That he is the center. He is everything. He's everything. When Peter is at the end of himself, he positions the word at the beginning. When Peter's at the end of himself, he positions the word at the beginning. Did you not know that it says in Revelation chapter 22 that Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. (laughs) Listen, some of you right now are worried about the things that are ending in your life, things that seem to be terminating, things that are going wrong and ending as you get to the end of 2019. Let me tell you, God is the same God of the end as well as the beginnings. He he deals with end and beginnings because he is the end and the beginning. He's the beginning and the end. Because all you gotta do is say, God, I'm not I'm worried about this end, but I know that you're in the in the midst of the end. Because you're making a new start. You're doing something new in my life. And I'm gonna let you do it because I'm gonna stop making my plans to make it happen. You're gonna do it. Hallelujah. He puts the word at the beginning 
when he is at the end of himself. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And what does he say? I'm going to give you something. What Peter was receiving into his life was absolutely building him up ready for what was coming next. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, some of us have got to stop doing it the hard way. If you do it the hard way, you'll learn the hard way. And it's not, it's not good. Some of us have got to make a decision and say, do you know what? I'm going to just come to Jesus. I'm going to drop the nets. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And I'm going to allow his word to change my life this year. Number two, Peter also made space for God's pure wisdom. Not just his word, but his pure wisdom. His pure wisdom. It says Luke 5 verse 4, when he finished speaking, now he's, he's released this great sermon that's got enough power in it to get Peter from the shore back in the water. He spoke the word, now he's got him in the water going out. And he says this, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I will let down. Look, Peter is an expert at this. He's got Jesus coming up and he's an expert of catching fish, yet he's failed. Now Jesus is telling him, go to the deep water and drop your nets and you'll get fish. How many of you know when someone tries to tell you to do something and you think you know better than them? You don't want to do it, do you? This is the power of the word. Some of you right now are saying, Jesus, you don't know about my life and I can deal with this better. I have a better understanding of who I am inside than you do. Let me tell you, you're wrong. The Bible says in Colossians that in all things, he holds all things together. He's holding you together right now. You want to be thankful you can breathe in this room. You want to be thankful... Do you know what? I believe that God, when we say things like that, is, is looking at us saying, if only you knew that your life and your breath could be demanded from you right now, son. Right now, daughter, I could take your life. Because the Bible says it's appointed to everyone to die and face judgment. You've got to face it one day. And I'm not preaching heaven and hell to make you worried. I'm telling you the truth. We have to face judgment. But there's a, there's a, there's a good news in the Bible that tells us that Jesus came. To die on a cross for you and for me. So we can be washed in his precious blood. We can have new life. We can know him personally. And so he says, put out into deep water. I'd be like, can we just try the shallow? Because I've just been doing the nets. Listen, some of you have got to get out of your depth this year. Some of you have got to get out of your depth. I'm talking about where you swim and you can't touch the ground. That's what you call deep faith. If you can touch the floor in a swimming pool, there's no faith. You go from the shallow end. I remember when I first started swimming and I'm thankful someone taught me to swim. But I used to go in and 
and they'd teach me, and I'd go so far, that you do the 25 meters, the 50 meters, then the 100, and you'd be learning to swim. And when I was learning to swim, the moment I remember when I took my armbands off, and the first time I had to go from the shallow, and I couldn't touch the bottom, I got scared. That is where God wants you in 2020. He doesn't want your feet on the ground. He wants to take you in the river of God. Where he wants to take you. The, all the time you can walk and wade. It's all the time is like this that you can walk your own way. You need to drift in the river of God. Hallelujah. So he, he's like, you take out into the deep water. You cast your nets. Drop them there. You're going to get some fish. You go out there. Watch this. Now's the miracle. This is the miracle I want to do. I want to show you. I want you to put your nets out. And he does it not because he's had a bad night and he thinks, well, we'll just do this for the sermon to end. He says, because you say so. I'm going to do this because you say so. And he realizes that not only the preaching, not only the word that's come, now there is wisdom from heaven. There is a wisdom over your life. Listen, the other day I, I, I was... I was at home and I realized that I'd lost this, my iPad that I preached from. And so I couldn't, I've, I've never lost this before. And so I, I lost it and I, and I thought, what am I going to do? I need another iPad. So I was on the phone to the insurance company saying, I can't find my, my iPad. I need to get another one. And then a really good friend of mine said to me, have you tried the app that says find your iPad? And I'm like, an app can do this for me? And so I go on my app and I, and I do it and, and it lists my devices and it tells me that, lo and behold, my iPad is sitting on Tennyson Road. But because it's within a, a so many meters radius, it told me it was sitting just up the road on the other side. So I thought, someone's stolen this. So I drove down here the other day and I came into the church and I found that you can press a button and it'll play a beep. And it'll beep the device to say where it is. And I thought, I'm so looking forward to going to the church and pressing that button to just find where it is. And I did, and I found it, and it was in my office. <laughs> and it was on my chair. And I was on the verge of getting another one. Do you know what? Some of us will trust these apps like Find My Gadgets, but we don't trust what God knows. He knows more about your life than you know it. He's got all the information. Just because of a few GPS coordinates that are listed, the fact that I registered that device allowed me to find it. It allowed me to find something that I thought was lost and that's not there. But listen to me, God has GPS coordinates on your life. He knows everything about what he wants to do. He knows, he knows the fish. He knows where things are. You can't see it because faith is believing in what you cannot see. Oh, but I need to see. No, you don't need to see. You, you have faith by saying, I believe the word because faith comes by hearing the word. So when you've heard the sermon on the shore, now you're in the boat and he's saying, put out into deep water. And you're saying, I can't see. If we can trust the apps, let's trust God this year. Come on, if we can trust a bit of GPS coordinates that somebody in a lab's put together and they've done all this, let's trust God who's watching from heaven, who says, son, daughter, I know where the fish are for you. I know where your future is. Trust me.
It's his pure wisdom. Hallelujah. You see, I put here that if we make space for God's word, just, just understand this. You make space for God's word, and some people do this. But listen, if you make space for God's word, I've got something extra to tell you. You've got to make contingency for his wisdom. What does that mean? I can make space for God's word. Yeah, I can put as many fridge magnets on my fridge this year as I can fit with his word. I can cover them. I can tweet as much as I want about the word of God. I can tell you how many, I can tell you I've read it in one year, the Bible. But I have to make a contingency because if the word of God comes into my life, a contingency has to be made because wisdom will stretch you. It will say, it will stretch more than what the word is saying because the word has power and it's active. It's doing something in your life. It's pushing you to the boundaries. It is, as it says in Isaiah, it will stretch the tent pegs wide. It doesn't just end there. You don't just hear the word. The word is active. It produces something. Isaiah 55, 11, is it? It says that his word, it, it, it doesn't return void. It accomplishes what he desires. Listen, it has power to do something. So it accomplishes things. Last night, my son, he's, they've got presents in the house. And one of them, he says, son, I, dad, I want to, to go in the bath. I've got bath slime. So I can we leave that for another day, son? Green slime. And so he got the packet out and he says, you know, and he left all the stuff downstairs. He walks up with these couple of packets. He says, fill it with water and then we pour all the stuff in and it's going to turn into slime. So I says, well, just put one packet in. So he puts a packet in, but I put quite a bit of water in. I realized that it didn't seem to be much. So I didn't give it time. So I didn't read the instructions because I couldn't be bothered to walk downstairs and have a look. So I just got the other packet. I said, so let's just throw it all in. Threw everything in. I didn't read the instructions. I didn't get the word of instruction. I was taking it on myself. My son sits in it. A few minutes later, he can barely move. He's like, Dad, this is really thick. I goes, yeah. So you get with two packets. Enjoy. It seemed to get thicker and thicker and thicker. He says, how are we going to get rid of this? I said, good question. Let's get the instructions. We got the instructions, realize we have to add more water. You see, this is what the Word of God does. When the Word of God gets into your life, it expands. Some of you are not applying it. So, it, listen, the Word of God is wasted if it's never applied. The wisdom of God is wasted if it's never applied. But when applied, it expands you, it takes you further. And so, what I realize is, I didn't understand because I didn't understand the instructions. I put the, the stuff in and, and, it, and it, it comes into this space and I wasn't expecting it to expand like this. Listen, you've got to have a contingency for his wisdom. But not only a contingency for his wisdom, but his wonders. The supernatural one. Do you, listen, do you really believe that we're here in a church just because it sounds good? We believe in a supernatural God. Come on. You know as well as I do, we've been here a long time and we've seen some miracles. We've seen some healings. We've seen God do some amazing things. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my family's life. There is too much to say that God is not real. 
Do you know my son said to me the other day, I was driving back in the car and he said this, he's been getting a lot of revelation recently, a lot of prophetic revelation. And you, some of you know this, I've shared it with you. He said this in the car to me, he says, dad, he said, I've gone through, I couldn't believe it. He's 11 years old. He said, dad, I've gone through three stages. He said, I used to, first of all, you used to tell me about God when I was younger and I kind of believed it because you said it. Second thing, he said, I start to believe actually, I've heard it at Sunday school and maybe this is true. Yeah, I believe God. He says, but since I've got those pictures that I've been getting recently, I know that I could not get those things without God not being real. Come on, we don't have to teach this. You teach it, but then the supernatural power of God reveals the word. It expands the word. And then you've got an 11-year-old boy telling me that he believes in God because he cannot not be real because of what he's receiving. I don't need to force him to be a Christian. I just tell him the truth and let God do his work in his life. Hallelujah. You see, God's wisdom, when it comes, may not be fitting your plans today. You see, when his wisdom comes, it may not fit what you planned. Sometimes it's actually breaking your plans. His wisdom will challenge what you've done. It will challenge what you're doing. It will challenge what you want to do. Doesn't the book of James talk about that? Boasting about tomorrow. We've got to be careful that we don't, we don't set so much restriction that God can't step in. And he can't start to change things where he wants to change things. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose, his will that prevails. Come on. So many of us have got our own wisdom and our own plans, but it's his purpose that's going to prevail. And he'll make sure it prevails. They worked all night. We got nothing. We heard the word, but listen, because you say so now, Jesus, we're going to do this. Because you say so. Listen to me. Right there and then, Simon Peter did not put his faith in a sermon. He put his faith in a person. Don't put your faith in a sermon. Don't put your faith in. The sermon will reveal the person of Jesus. That's what it's always got to do. It's always got to point to Jesus. If it ain't pointing to Jesus, go and find another church. My instruction. Because you need, it always needs, it always needs to point to him. And so what they realized is, we don't get this. We've heard the word. It got us enough to get us from the shore with all our clean nets back here again to do something absolutely crazy that we just didn't understand. But we're making contingency now for your wisdom. So we'll do it because you said it. Because actually, we're not just putting trust in a nice sermon with a few points. We're now listening to you, Jesus, and you said it. And we realize that you have power. So if we lower these nets because you said so, listen to me, the word of God in 2020 has got to start pointing you to the person of Jesus. Stop letting it just be text. It's got to point you to the person of who he is. And that's an intimacy with him. So when you read the word, allow it to resonate in your heart and listen to what God wants to say to you about the word. Hallelujah. He wants to bring fresh revelation because if we make space for the Bible, Listen, wisdom, when you use the terminology wisdom, wisdom means that there's a mind behind it. That means there's a person. It's not just some things that have been written that sound good. This is describing the mind of God. 
You read the Proverbs. Look at the wisdom that's described, that's describing Jesus. You change it for where it's talking about wisdom to Jesus' name. You realize that's who he is. He is wisdom. He's everything. Proverbs 2 verse 6 to 7 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. The problem is, he stores up wisdom. The problem is, is that when we receive it, we store it up and don't apply it. Some of us right now know the things that we should be doing, but we store up his wisdom because we don't want to apply his wisdom. He's storing up, he gives it to us, but then we don't want to use it because we know what will happen in our lives if we do. If we apply his wisdom, that's going to change my plans. But I'm saying, in in this next year, you've got to start to say, do you know what? I'm going to allow the wisdom that you've stored up for me to come into me, but then to work through me in order for it to build my life. I don't want to be a storehouse for God's wisdom. I want to apply his wisdom, to let it flow through me. Luke 5 verse 6 says, when they had done so. When they had done so, when they lowered the net, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You only see the blessing when you do what Jesus says. You only see the fruit. If you want to see a blessed year ahead of you, start doing what he's telling you to do. That's all you've got to do. The moment that they did what he said, when they had done so, Gotta ask yourself today, have I done what he asked me to do? Or am I asking for a new word? No, when you've done what he said. In John chapter 2, when we see the wedding at Cana and they, they, they run out of wine. What does Jesus' mother say? Do whatever he tells you to do. There'd have been no wine if they didn't do what he said. You got to do what he says. Then you see the transformation. Then you see the miracle. Then you see God's power. At work in your life. And finally, number three, Peter made space for God's perfect will. He made made space for his profitable word, his pure wisdom, knowing where those fish were. But finally, his perfect will for his life. Listen to me. Your best plan for 2020 is to walk into the will of God. Oh, but what's the will of God? Big question. We all want to know that. We all want to know. We all want to know, what is it you want me to do in 2020? I don't want to be walking outside your will. I don't want to be walking outside the plans you have for me. I want to be walking right in the center of them. But listen, this is the, this is the ultimate point of where we get to in this story. And can I just say, what's amazing about this is that the fish that come in this story, the miraculous catch, do you know what that, those fish were? Because they left them and the boat, so they never used them. Do you know what it was? It was the most expensive sermon illustration ever used. Because they left them all. They didn't even use the fish. It wasn't about the fish. It wasn't about what they got. Now they left everything and followed Jesus. So now this sermon illustration that Jesus just proved, and he says, I'm going to show you, you can have loads of fish. They're so bothered about Jesus that they don't care about the fish anymore. Some of you were here recently and I I preached on Gideon, the power of listening. And if you were here in the room, you'd have seen I went out and bought a lovely loaf of bread. 
to show the illustration. You need to listen to the sermon to understand it. But I got a loaf of bread to explain something in that sermon to get it in people's minds of what that means. And, and I got this bread and I'd been handling it for two services. And that, that piece of bread was going in the bin when I'd done. That piece of bread had been everywhere. And I thought that bread is not going to go in, in consumption. It's not going to be touched. And so I'm throwing it in the bin. But somebody, some, some blessed brother in the house said to me, what's happening with that bread? I said, you don't want that bread. That bread. You don't want to touch that. That's, that's for the bin. He goes, no, no, no. I don't like, I don't like waste. I said, if you want to take it, you can take it. I, I will. He sent me a picture at midnight when he traveled back to London of him eating this with his wife. He sent me a picture. I said, I can't believe you've eaten it. He said, I'm not going to let that go to waste. Bless him. I believe that God's going to do something amazing in his life now. <laughs> Eating the sermon illustrations. But I was going to throw that. The, the thing is, they get to the end. This sermon illustration, the boat's full. You'd think that they'd be saying, let's sell these fish. Let's, let's take these. We've got to sort all this out. Before we go with Jesus and do what he wants us to do, what an amazing thing he's just given us. All this, all of this profit, all of this, this provision is here. I need this for family. Jesus, can you give us, in fact, we'll meet you tomorrow down at the diner. We'll, we'll have a chat then about what you want us to do once we've sought these fish out because we're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. But they don't. The sermon illustration. It's so powerful that they realize that there's more power in him than there is in the fish. There's more worth in him than there is in the fish. They say, we don't want the fish. And now we realize that we never needed full boats to begin with anyway. All we needed is you. It was right in front of our faces. But you've just used an illustration to show us what we valued. So we're leaving that, Jesus. Come on, where are we going? Who are we going to, who are we going to raise from the dead? Who are we going to heal? Who are we going to tell about the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. Because his perfect will is the point in this story. The point in this story is not about just disappointment. It's not about what you've gone through. It's not about understanding and believing his, in, in faith, in his wisdom. It's not about all of them. It's all pointing to the point where they walk away and follow him. That's what Jesus is interested in. Not showing them that he can walk on water and say, look at me for this sign. He wants to capture their hearts. For a purpose. Because there's a bigger purpose. Listen, behind every sermon that I ever preach, there's a bigger purpose for your life. More than just these few minutes that I'm going to spend talking to. There is something more powerful. They left their boats and everything. When you make space for God's word and wisdom, you better get ready to make space for his way, his purpose, his will. Listen, if you make space for his word, you apply his wisdom, get ready for what he's going to do because he's going to take you. He's going to make a way. We sing that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Waymaker. Mir-. Listen, he's going to make a way for you, but you've got to apply his word and his wisdom. Then he makes the way. When he sees these fish, he says, Simon Peter saw this. I love this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Have you noticed that when God does something so powerful and unique and special in your life, it reveals 
how much of a sinner we are. It reveals that actually I am a trophy of grace and actually I realize that me, I'm a sinner and I get things wrong sometimes. I do stuff wrong. But one thing I know is that he loves me. One thing I know. Listen, some of you, there's, there's someone in this room right now. You're saying, this all sounds good. Listen, Jesus wants you to know today you are loved dearly by him. And right now, maybe you're on your, the knees of your heart and you're saying, God, I'm a sinful man. You don't understand my past. You don't understand. That's what he was saying, essentially saying, I get all these fish, Jesus, but you don't understand. If only you could see my real portfolio. If only you could see what I did five years ago. And he's like, I know. I know you. I know who you are, and that's why I came for you. That's why I'm here right now for this job interview. And son, you passed. Son, you passed. Why? How could I have passed? What about that other thing I did wrong? What about you passed because you're on your knees? You passed because you're there now recognizing that you are a sinner. And that's what God wants to do. The power of his word will reveal that we are sinners, that we fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says this, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Stop trying to prove yourself to him and just realize that you just got to get on your knees and say, I'm a sinner. But thank you, God. We sung it earlier, didn't we? Thank you for saving me. What can I say? Hallelujah. You see, when you make space for God, I'm coming to close. If the team want to just come back and be ready just to finish. But when we make space for God, just get this. I want you to capture this. Because right at the beginning of this story, Peter, he says, I'm going to release my boat. Get into the boat and you can have the boat. Stand in there. Stand in my failure. Stand in my emptiness. Stand in there. You can preach the word from there. I'm just going to carry on cleaning my nets. But the moment that he releases his boat, the moment that he does that, it begins to trigger something in Jesus and a relationship with Peter, one of the disciples. Something, a dynamic has just begun. And the moment that Peter releases his little fishing boat, let me tell you what is happening in the heavenlies. In the heavenlies, this is what's happening. Acts chapter 2 is in Jesus' mind. When Peter is stood before 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 who give their lives to Jesus Christ, he stood in the first lifeboat for the kingdom of God. Preaching himself, preaching his heart out, realizing the power of the word. You see, when you release your boat, you better get ready because you're going to stand in places that are even bigger than Jesus. Because Jesus says you will do greater things than I did. I believe there are a lot of crowds there, but I believe that as he preached on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And as he stood there as a vessel that once on his knees before Jesus, realizing that I'm a sinner, now stands with boldness, confidence. Listen, there's some people in this room, you've lost your boldness, you've lost your confidence. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, your confidence is your great reward. 
Don't listen to the lie of Satan. The lie of Satan is that you can't be confident, you can't be bold because you've got nothing in you. You've got everything in you if you've got the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And Peter stands there and he preaches that day. 3,000 get saved and baptized. And he's probably thinking, wow, I'm so glad I released my boat. Because as I look out now, I see this is like throwing out the life rings. This is, I am fishing for people as Jesus said I would at the end of that story. He said, you're, you're not about fish. You're not about fish. You're about people. You're about people. You're going to fish for You've got a great mandate on your life, Peter. It's about people, not fish. And right there and then in Acts chapter 2, it all came realization. Even when he denied Jesus. He denied him, and the, but yet he stood there and he realized there's power. There's power. I'm in the part of this lifeboat. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Hallelujah. Jesus wanted to fill all Peter's boat. Why? To empty him and empty him of all his fear. If you notice, he says this, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now, you're going to fish for people. Do you know that's the biggest problem you've got in fulfilling the mandate of what God's got for your life in 2020? It's fear. You, you don't think you're capable. You don't think you're capable of doing what God wants to do next. And listen to me, fear is the biggest thing. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're going to fish for people. This is getting far bigger than that boat. And listen, some of you are small thinking. You're thinking small boats. You're thinking your work. Some people in this room are going to quit your job this year. You're going to quit your job. Don't do it tomorrow. Just be careful. In fact, I met someone at a conference recently, and I, and I went up to him, and he, I don't know if I've told you this recently, and he said, I said to him, I said, Have you, uh, how are you getting on? He says, well, the last time you came to my church, you prophesied that I would finish my job. He says, I handed my resignation in the next day. I'm like, wow. Did you test that word? But some people know when God's speaking to them. Some people are going to quit what you're doing this year. I quit what I was doing in 2002. It all changed. Some people are going to quit what you're doing, and you're going to wonder why you're doing it. But listen to me. It's because there's a bigger mandate. There is an Acts chapter 2 waiting for you. And that Acts chapter 2 can't happen unless you release your boat. Unless you walk away from what you're doing and say, God, I'm, I'm up for what you want. I'm up for what you're wanting for me. Hallelujah. First John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. When you look to the person of Jesus, his love, it casts out the fear. Look, some of you have got to cast out the fear in you so you can cast out your nets. You've got to look to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand for a moment. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.